So this past Friday, I was with a handful of my buddies. We got together for a high school football game, Marion Central Catholic versus Fenwick. And it's hard to believe, but it's been 40 years since our graduation. And during halftime, we got a tour of the new additions to the school, the chapel and the auditorium and the gymnasium. And while we were walking the halls, we took note of the trophy cases and the plaques on the wall that recognized the distinguished alumni and those who had been inducted into the Athletic Hall of Fame. We had a few good laughs and a hearty debate about which one of us was the best basketball player or the best athlete in our class. And it was a fun evening, and I loved seeing those guys. It's still great that we get together after all these years. And while our walk down memory lane was good-natured, as we discussed who was the best and brightest of our graduating class, who deserved to be in our high school ring of glory, it reminded me of our gospel today and our friends James and John. The brothers who were two of Jesus's earliest disciples and closest to him, along with Peter, they were part of his inner circle and they were blessed to witness the transfiguration. In chapter three of Mark's gospel, James and John are referred to as the sons of thunder. And I love that phrase, sons of thunder. It's so powerful. And while thunder is not life-threatening, it can be loud and intimidating. It can shake the windows and wake you from a sound sleep. Thunder definitely demands your attention. And James and John live up to their description. They're proud and aggressive, counting on preserving some special status in the Messiah's future government. As they all move towards Jerusalem, they anticipate that Jesus would be crowned king. And so now it was their time to strike, to request or demand some recognition or reward for being two of the most loyal disciples. To sit at a ruler's right or left hand was a sign of power and prestige. Understandably, the other 10 disciples grow indignant Perhaps they too wanted to be VIPs in the kingdom, and they are annoyed that James and John have upstaged them. But all of them misunderstood the very nature of what Jesus was proclaiming. That's the one thing I love about the disciples. They're very slow learners, and that makes me feel a little better about myself. They could uh, hardly have chosen a more inappropriate moment to request their glory. In the previous passage from Mark's gospel, Jesus just predicted for a third time that his passion and death was drawing near. And yet these two brothers say boldly, hey Jesus, could you do us a favor? Just give us whatever we ask of you. Of course, James and John want to get ahead in life, to be acknowledged. 
who wouldn't want some elevated status to make life a little bit easier? Isn't that where they're coming from? Sitting at the right or left hand of the Lord, getting closer to God, why not? Who wouldn't want that? It would be great. And this gospel, I think, is a bit of a mirror into many of our own hopes and desires. Who is loved the most? Who gets the spotlight, the attention, the recognition? Often we as modern disciples are not much better than hearing Jesus than James or John were. When we listen in on the Gospels for the message that suits us, messages like the heavenly banquet or forgiveness of sins or comfort in our time of affliction, many other pleasant ideas about the good news. But then Jesus reminds us Whoever wishes to be great must be a servant to all. I think it's fair to say that serving others and sacrificing or our willingness to endure suffering is not always our idea of the good news. That's why I'm thankful this evening for the boldness of James and John. Like them, we all want heaven seats of glory, and we're willing to obey an assortment of commandments to achieve that goal. But service and sacrifice are not necessarily our number one choice or what we signed up for when we agreed to follow Jesus. Just like James and John, we often want Jesus to do our will rather than to do his will. Sometimes we need to say to ourselves, thank you, God, for unanswered prayers. Just think, what if James and John's prayers were answered? Remember who was at Jesus' left and right when he entered into his glory. Two thieves on a cross, one at his right and one on his left. James and John were certainly not ready to drink from that cup. But as always, Jesus listens and kindly replies, what do you wish me to do for you? Isn't that wonderful that Jesus wants to know what it is in our minds and in our hearts? Jesus is always inviting us through prayer. What can I do for you? He patiently takes the occasion for another lesson of discipleship, explaining in different terms what he has said before and has reminded us all of repeatedly. In the ancient world, just like today, authority is naturally assumed to entail perks and benefits for those who wield it. And the powerful often enjoy throwing around their weight. But Jesus' commandment is clear. It shall not be so among you. It shall not be so amongst us. His disciples and each of us are to display a radical and countercultural attitude towards leadership. There is no place for self-promotion or rivalry or domineering conduct among them or among us. 
Jesus does not deny that there will be offices of authority in this world and in our church, nor does he reject the aspiration to greatness and honor that lies deep within each human heart. Rather, he reveals in his typically paradoxical way that the path to true greatness is by imitating him in his humble, self-emptying love. His whole mentality of leadership is that we must be of service to one another. But Jesus knows that suffering and serving others is never easy. That is why our second reading today from Hebrews reminds us that Jesus, our high priest, is able to sympathize with our weaknesses because he was also tested in every way except sin. We are encouraged to confidently approach his throne of grace to receive mercy and to find timely help. Today's gospel offers us another opportunity to reflect upon what we ask God to do for us. While we may all at times seek to be recognized and our desire for power and prestige is there, Jesus is reminding us to be truly great, we must be servants to all. We are called to be a servant church. So let's let that be one of our prayers this week. Jesus, not my will, but thy will be done.